to Finding Your Voice with Heather Hightower. We are coming to you from the Center for Vocal Study here in the heart of Charlottesville, Virginia. We are located in, I think, the oldest building on the mall. It's charming. We've got hardwood floors. I'm here with Joanna Lott, speech pathologist, voice therapist at the UVA Voice Clinic, also known as the Voice and Swallowing Clinic. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you so much for having me. It's oh great my gosh. to be here. It's so exciting. It's so exciting yeah. to have you. We've already been here for a while yeah. talking and connecting, and I just feel like ready to dive in, and there is so much to talk about on so many different levels. Yeah. Um, I have a primary sort of superficial level desire to talk about sort of heavy voice users in the day job who are also pursuing vocal development through singing. Mm-hmm. And then I just want to go into the deep end wherever okay. that leads us. Okay. There's so always a deep end. Maybe before we dive all the way in, mm-hmm. tell us who you are, what you do, and how you yeah, how you work. Okay. So I'm Joanna Lott. I'm as Heather said, I'm a speech pathologist and voice specialist. I do voice therapy. Um, and I work with uh, Dr. Gennaro, who is on episode four of Heather Hightower's <laughs> brilliant podcast. Um, and we, uh, we work at the UVA Voice Clinic um, doing voice evaluations and voice treatment. We work with a lot of people who are teachers and singers. So that's pretty pastors and singers, teachers and singers. Mm. Those are the ones who typically have the highest vocal demand teachers especially if they're music teachers can get in big trouble pretty quickly at the beginning of the school year um and are a pretty big percentage of our our um caseload uh a lot of the time so if you think about what your voice does your you know if, as a woman talking at your average tone your average pitch probably vibrating your vocal folds together at a at least 200 times per second. So if you calculated, if you talk all day and you sing all day and then you sing all evening, how much voice use, how much impact stress that actually is on the vocal folds. So that's, I don't want to clap into the microphone, but it's a pounding together of the vocal folds each time. And then depending on how you're using your voice, if you're using it in a healthy way, it's maybe um, less of a strain on the vocal fold tissue, but even of the healthiest vocal technique can end up an injury just from overuse. I, I think that it's interesting because a lot of the time when I walk into the room, people say, I don't need a speech therapist, I don't need a speech pathologist, there's nothing wrong with the way I speak, and they're right. Uh, I basically rehabilitate vocal injuries through a non-medical, non-surgical method. What don't they understand about that? Um, well, it's a strange idea. Well, how do you do that? So oh. it's usually I use the analogy of physical therapy. I'm going to be giving you vocal exercises. So if you can put yourself in the mindset of a non-singer. Yes. Like, to, to me, that seems so yeah, normal. Of course. You give like, me exercises, right? But right. to the non-singer, it's, it's really intimidating it's really interesting to see how a person responds when I say to them, just hum for me on a comfortable pitch. And they're like, oh, 
Give me the hump? I came to the doctor. Oh, right? Yeah. So it's a very different kind of animal than what they're expecting. And it can be a little off-putting and make them uncomfortable. So you have to come in with a very um, a major understanding of their vulnerability that they're feeling in that room. What is so great about you, Joanna, is that you are a singer, and I am struck by how many people are working with the body and the voice who have no personal relationship to what it means to be able to sing three octaves or four octaves, and Mm -hmm. the demands on the voice, the demands on the mind. Mm -hmm. It's a huge asset that you understand that from the inside out, and I'm really I'm like shocked that it's not a requirement of people working with the voice that they don't in tandem take lessons. You make a really good point. I think that the way that I came to speech pathology is there were two major events that happened, if I can just tell you two quick stories. One, I moved to New York to be a singer when I was 24, I think. Love it. Um, and I had been having these, what I thought were toothaches or earaches for a couple of months before I moved. But, you know, the dates were set. I was going. And I got there and was diagnosed pretty quickly with really severe TMJ, templar mandibular joint disorder. Oh, so much to so talk just about. basically jaw pain, serious jaw pain, misalignment, everything was a mess. And within four months of moving there, I had to have surgery on both sides of my jaw. Um, and I was devastated, and I didn't have any resources for how to come back from that because no matter who I asked, even some very knowledgeable people about, you know, what was out there, everyone was just kind of like, I don't know, maybe you can find a voice teacher that's had an injury. That was, you know, that was basically the recommendation. I feel so much overwhelming pain for your 24-year-old self. Like, what a daunting. Yeah, it was not fun. It was a bad year. It was a bad year. So, like, that's heavy. It was heavy. It was a rough time. And But what I'll say is that I luckily found... Um, and I can't even remember how at this point, a voice teacher who had worked with injured singers. And so she had a a knowledge of how the voice worked, anatomy and physiology that went beyond anyone I'd ever worked with. And um, she directed me to an Alexander teacher. um, And I started working with both of them weekly. It was very expensive for a person who was temping and was hoping to be going to auditions, but instead was shelling out cash to go to these lessons. Side note, disclaimer, we offer Alexander Technique at an affordable rate. (laughs) Very good. Very helpful. Um, And they were both amazing and wonderful. And they often did workshops together. And I, I benefited so much from that. And that was my rehab. The second short story is that um, many years later when I decided that being a professional singer was not working out for me, and there were many reasons other than just that I never got cast, <laughs> which was which is true, um, uh, and I own that. But um, Hey, you know what? A yeah. lot of us haven't even put ourselves out there, well, so you know yeah. what? You did it. I, I was That's in awesome. the arena, as Brene Brown would say. You were, yeah. striving mm-hmm. valiantly yeah. every day. <laughs> With no armor. I did it all. And by the time I was sort of done with the New York scene and was just beginning to consider leaving and what should I do next, and I decided to just change gears completely and signed up to run a marathon. Long story short, I broke my foot in the marathon and as a result ended up sitting next to another team member on the plane, guy Tom Burke, who's a voice teacher in New York City and is a speech pathologist. And so he started talking to me about what he did and I, my, my brain, my body just went, that's what I should be doing. 
Awesome. And it was amazing. And he became my mentor and my teacher to this day. So it's been this kind of crazy journey. But the, the long and the short of it is that I found people, I found the people that I needed, but it was hard. And so I want it to be easy. OMG. <laughs> yeah. OMG. And I, I really, I hear you with the like, I'm doing this because it was, well, maybe this is a, a reduction of what you just said, but so much of what you're doing informed by a desire to prevent other people from having it be so hard yeah. for them. Yeah. And I really, I really admire that. And what a, what a treat for anybody who works with their voice to know that somebody who's saying do this exercise through a straw into the water, <laughs> they, you actually understand like all the layers of right. you understand that they have a voice teacher in their ear telling them to do different things yes. potentially mm-hmm. the the challenges of self-managing mm-hmm. in productions or in shows or in yeah you know the audition circuit like gosh what an asset yeah it's really I mean you have to have respect for the profession and for the singer and have a sense of understanding and I try to take that to the next level I always continue taking voice lessons. Beautiful. I still am, but um, but also performing. Mm. And that is the one that always gets me because I want to put it off. I want to not do it. But <laughs> when I spent, when I go a year without doing it, mm. I feel like, I, I mean, I think I still have the empathy, but I definitely feel it more when I stand up there and go, oh. And, and that's the other part of it is remembering the joy of it and remembering why we do this in the first place is that, vocalizing is especially when it's imperfect is joyous right I mean the more perfect you try to make it the less you may get to experience the joy of it and that's why a lot of the singers that I love to listen to just aren't that perfect this idea of like staying fresh staying raw staying attuned to what is real right now like mm-hmm. I feel like that cannot be understated and that like like you said when we go a period of time and we don't do it like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you've had five ten tw- a lifetime worth of experience you still have the sort of build up mm-hmm. of like of confronting the self yeah can we talk about speaking voices okay we're two women yes and we're two professional women and we've just gone through an election season. Let's talk about women, the voice. Spe- <laughs> like We need like a year for this. Speech patterns. People, and I, I like to point this out because people love to hate Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. for her voice. But Hillary Clinton, explain to us why Hillary Clinton's voice sounds tired. Like maybe she's been speaking over a room full of men for 30 years. Said it. I mean, but why does it like why? But explain to us from a physical standpoint why does a woman speaking? It's complicated. Um, uh, so there are certain expectations, right? As a woman, especially from men, but also maybe especially from women. I take that back. I think women are really hard on each other to present a certain amount of femininity. And that has a definition that's very severe. It's a box, right? I have all sorts of vocal 
bursts, as maybe you, we've heard some on this recording. I feel like I have a microphone voice, uh-huh. and I feel like I speak low in general, uh-huh. but I also am not afraid to just kind of go into all these different places in my voice, and I kind of feel like I don't think in general we give permission mm-hmm. to women to be so expressive. Mm-hmm. The first thing, just going back to how you, you use your voice, I think that is, is brilliant um, because it's it's absolutely true. Um, the more limited you are in the, the range that you use, the more limited you will be. Mm-hmm. And um, we see patients who um, are either either have been trying to get their voice to be lower because they like it better, or because someone shamed them into thinking they had a shrill voice at some point. Um, and they uh, so now they're they're trying to talk down here. <laughs> women and men too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interesting. Hmm. Um, they they just feel like they're not masculine enough and they need to use this lower voice. And women who who go into board meetings talking like this. I've and, never done that right, ever. Right. And it works for them until it doesn't. Well, actually, this is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think school teachers, mm-hmm. we have a whole, like, when you've got a room full of people and you need to get their attention. Yeah. Like, being in this place. We're right. getting a new dog and trying to get your dog's attention <laughs> but not having the training yeah. for how to get, like... It's so easy to just abuse your yeah. voice in day to day. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, and that's that's a lot of what we get. Um, I had a, a woman in my office recently say, "My mother always told me I had a horrible voice, and I just always believed her." It's so common. And it's so common, and, and it sticks. You know, I had a man who said, um, "My my first grade teacher told me I was to mouth the words during choir." And the, this is this yeah. is so common. Yeah, even is, is so common, and this is one of the things like we're actively healing here at the Center for Vocal yeah. Study, and you too in your work. Mm-hmm. That it's, I think that, and I'm like the biggest Brene Brown fan. I don't know if you're familiar with her stuff, but mm-hmm. she does all. She has all of this really great work on shame and vulnerability, and I think that you know, and, and most of what you read that of her of her work, she talks about these shaming moments from early in life that change who you become and that this is a lot of what we're healing and that these are symptoms what we're talking about with Hillary Clinton Mm -hmm. and other assertive women who are trying to make it in a man's world um, are symptoms of that same shaming and same problem it's just that it's more of a public shaming unfortunately like a shaming for having ambition yeah shaming for having yeah Mm -hmm. that's a whole other whole thing um Thank, I'm so glad you came today. We could, we're going to have to do this again because yes. there's more to talk about. Yes. Um, gosh, so rich. If somebody needs to connect with you because they need vocal support, yeah, how do they do it? So email me at jlott, so it's my first initial last name, jlott, L-O-T-T, at virginia.edu. It's as easy as that. Um Send me an email. I will do my best to get back to you within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, if you call our main number, you're going to get sort of sent from one operator to another. We we do our best, but there are many other doctors in our practice. And if somebody's not local and they need support, like, do you work with people remotely? If they're within Virginia state lines. Or can be, if they can get into Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also have great resources outside of, you know, if they're in other areas, I would know who to send them to in all likelihood. Great. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I could just keep talking to you for hours. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Um, 
thank you for listening. Go forth, take care of your voice. Um, Be thinking about how you use your voice in your everyday and don't be afraid to use your full voice. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joanna. Bye, you guys. I'm your host, Heather Hightower, founder and owner of the Center for Vocal Study. Our producer is Emily Gaddick. Our theme song was written by me and was lovingly brought to life by singers Madeline Holly Sales, Stephanie Kowalczyk, Lori Durr, and Joanna Lott. Recorded by Bobby Reed. Finding Your Voice was produced at the Center for Vocal Study in Charlottesville, Virginia. Head to our website, Center for Vocal Study. for more information on our private lessons, programs, and teachers. We work with both individuals and teams so that you can share your voice with freedom and ease. Wherever you are, you can find more episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Remember to subscribe, and if you're loving what you're hearing, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Every rating and review helps us reach more listeners.